Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Well, uh, you're one of these fine folks that joins us every Tuesday morning because you had a prior engagement or you only catch Raw every now and again or you like to watch the clips on YouTube. You want to know what you missed and you're one of these people that tune into us. First off, we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us here on our highest rated program of the week. Typically our Raw recap show. We watch it so y'all don't have to. You're welcome this week. <laughs> you are 100% absolutely welcome. SP3 and I doing the Lord's work this week uh, after watching that. I honestly, did you watch the Thor trailer? I would rather talk about that for a half hour. Like, to be completely honest. Have you seen the new Thor trailer? That was really good. That was the, dope, right? Yeah, that's going to be the movie of the summer. I'm, I'm convinced now. That, mean, was, that was the best part of Raw for me. Yeah, exactly. Like, seriously, I could just, I love the, like, I didn't notice it first, like in the first trailer, like when Natalie Portman first showed up, right? And she, she had the hammer. I didn't notice it at first, but it was the one that was broken that was reforged. So that's got me intrigued. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, oh, we got to see Christian Bale for the first time in this trailer. Badass, dude. Like, this looks like a perfect combination of badassery and comedy and action. And I agree with you. Multiverse of Madness was nuts. Absolutely nuts. I cannot wait for this Thor movie to come out. I cannot wait for this to drop. And honestly, I, I think I could spend another 30 minutes talking about that trailer. And I'm I'm basically stalling here uh, <laughs> because I don't want to die <laughs> uh, into the show. If you missed it, uh, we did. We had a couple of extra matches added for Hell in a Cell. Cool. Uh, Becky Lynch finds herself in the uh, women's championship match at Hell in a Cell, which we all kind of figured was was going to happen at some point in time. We'll talk about whether that was the right move or not. Uh, it does not look like I predicted on yesterday's live stream. Thank you for everybody who joined us on that. That was our most watched live stream yet. Uh, I, I, I predicted that we were going to get the rematch between RK Bro and the Usos at Hell in a Cell. That ain't going to happen. Looks like Randy Orton's out for a little bit. So what does that mean for the tag team titles? We will talk about that. I do want to mention Alexa Bliss. Talk about her booking since she has returned. Judgment Day cut a promo. Mustafa Ali disappeared. And Veer talked to Jerry Lawler for some ungodly, stupid reason. Why is Jerry Lawler still on my tv screen in 2022 and now i'm stalling because i forgot to pull up my copy uh for our uh our, our advertisement here so this is just absolutely great radio here or podcasting whatever you want to call it first things first before we dive into monday night raw now that i pulled up my script uh, i gotta thank our friends over at bet online the continued number one source for all of your needs and sports information find the latest odds news sports developments for the nba playoffs major league baseball fights nfl futures it's all there Bet online, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Real easy to get started, folks. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device, 
sign up. Use our promo code BLEAV. That is believed to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And before we get underway, don't forget, guys, you got a little over a week left. A little over a week left. Check my pinned tweet. Make sure you are subscribed to the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. Retweet my pinned tweet. You could win two tickets to Money in the Bank in Las Vegas. Hotel travel not included. You get to Vegas, we'll get you in the door. I know we got viewers out on the West Coast. That's not that far of a drive. We can get you tickets. Check my pinned tweet. Do all that. Also, tomorrow, 7 a.m., it will not be Jeremy and myself. I'm I'm actually taking a, a night off from watching wrestling. Like, I'm not watching NXT tonight. I'm just not doing it. Uh, I'm going out to a Reds game. They're going to lose. I don't care. It's for a buddy's birthday. It's a big station gathering kind of a thing for, for the day job, the shoot job, shall we say. Uh, so I'm taking a night off. I'm going to do a little r and I'm going to enjoy some $2 hot dogs and some and $1 beers, and we we just going to enjoy the night at a great American ballpark. Uh, so myself and Jeremy, I gave him the week off. We're not going to recap NXT tomorrow. What we are going to do, though, is drop my interview with Ricky Starks ahead of Double or Nothing. So we still got you covered, even when I take a day off. When Sid ain't here, we still got you covered here on Believe in Pro Wrestling. So pound the thumbs up, pound the like button, the subscribe button, and hit all the damn buttons. I don't care. We appreciate you guys uh, for tuning in today. So, all right, SB3, I've stalled long enough. Let's let's see how we can uh, dive into this episode <laughs> last night. Uh, Becky Lynch has been added to the Raw Women's Championship match at Hell in a Cell. It seemed like forever and a day ago before this whole Sasha Banks and, and Naomi saga went down, that this was the direction they were heading. Anyway, they were trying to set up a triple threat match between Bianca Asuka and Becky Lynch. For whatever reason, they decided to go against that. And now we find ourselves in this situation with WWE Sasha and Naomi that has dominated the headlines over the last eight days. Now, Corey Graves still being told to, to drag them through the mud last night. I'm wondering how long that's going to continue to last. Uh, but Becky Lynch, because she got misted last week, talked herself into this main event match. Adam Pierce said, you win, you get added to it. She did win last night. Bit of a clunky finish, if I'm honest. I mean, the match was good. It's always good between Becky and Oscar. They have tremendous chemistry with one another, but it was such a, a weird thing where once again, Bianca is sitting at ringside. Becky gets tossed onto her lap. Oscar goes to kick Becky, ends up kicking uh, Bianca in the head. And then it looked like there was supposed to be a setup here for a countout finish. At least that's what it would have made more sense to me. Becky tossing her into the timekeepers area or something like that, chucking her over the announcer's desk, something to put something in her way of getting back into the ring. Instead, Becky kind of like kicks her in the head and she jumps back in like at a six count. Then you notice the referee trying to speed things back up. Asuka ends up diving back in with nine on the nine count. And then there was just a, weird roll up as Oscar just laid in the ring. It was a very clunky finish to what was overall a good match. But in the end, we get what we knew was coming the second that this match was made, that Becky Lynch was going to win. Oscar goes over Becky last week. Becky goes over Oscar this week. And now we have a triple threat match for the raw women's title at hell in a cell. Your reaction sit. Yay. <laughs> this was a good match, but it was the it was same right. match that I saw last week. So they have taken this feud that everybody was interested in because they were like, oh, you know, Asuka and Becky, they always work well with each other. And they have. I love their match back at Royal Rumble 2019. 
I enjoyed their match at Royal Rumble 2020. Yep. I love the the story going into that show. And I was even entertained by, you know, the interaction when Oscar returned with Becky Lynch and plucking her in the nose. And they have already made me not want to see this match again. So this is WWE for you. I think the triple threat is going to deliver, but this finish came off very clunky and it did not go off smooth. And that was a theme with a lot of matches on this show. Something just seemed off tonight. I, I I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's the hangover from the Sasha Naomi thing. If that had a cloud hanging over, it just seemed like everybody was a little bit off last night. Like I, it's it may, it's just one of those nights. Chalk it up. I don't know. I think I would have preferred to see Becky like get into the match another way, beat somebody else, like get in a, or have like a a. a four pack challenge or a six pack challenge or something. You didn't have that many other women wrestling on the card tonight. Again, you have a roster on raw that actually has some depth to it. I would have rather of her earned her way in some way else other than beating Oscar who had been pretty well protected until they, they till this match last night. Uh, it just, it did seem kind of lazy to have Becky Lynch beat Oscar to get in after Oscar beat Becky. So yeah, it does kind of take some of the steam off of this triple threat match, uh, which, again, will deliver. But that's the M.O. for for WWE is, all right, well, we'll just cruise right, right along until the pay-per-view. And then, boom, the pay-per-view kicks ass. Excuse me. The premium live event, more often than not, kicks ass. And then we're right back to the, oh, uh, well, maybe it'll be good this time around. So, again, Becky's added. Cool. Triple threat match is going to be great, but yeah, I don't know. It was just weird last night. Uh, one of the things that I absolutely loved about last night's show, the ultimate heel move by Seth Rollins. This was like the highlight of the night for me. So Cody ends up wrestling the Miz last night. It ends up being a disqualification match. Wasn't as good as the first match between Cody and the Miz. Seth Rollins gets involved. He shoves Cody off the top rope outside you know tackling him punching him him and the Miz double team him they knock Cody down and Seth goes to leave y'all know that weight belt that Cody gives to a, a lucky fan in the front row more often than not a little kid right Seth Rollins goes over spots the kid runs over there snatches the belt out of his damn hand stares the kid down and then walks over and proceeds to beat Cody Rhodes with the souvenir weight belt that is the ultimate heel move. I loved every second of that. I would have loved to have seen him hit him more than one time. Personally, that was the only thing that would have made it better. And then you had ultimate baby face Cody Rhodes. Who had just been chucked knee first into the steel steps had just been whipped with his own souvenir belt hobbling over selling dramatically. The only way that Cody Rhodes knows how to sell and make sure to give the belt back to the same kid. That, that he gave the belt to originally that Seth Rollins stole it from. Ultimate heel move, ultimate baby face move. Didn't have to try too hard there. That was just that was just a well-done moment last night and a, a, a shining moment on Monday Night Raw for me. 
Yeah, it was it was cool. It was good stuff. It elevated it progressed uh the Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes feud, which has been going well. And you know, this put more heat on it where it feels like it's worthy of a hell in a cell match. This was like the first time that it seemed kind of personal, him going after one of Cody's uh fans, even though I'll be honest, it came off like the fan was in on it because we didn't get the Izzy reaction. Yeah. We didn't get the, the, it felt like, it felt like the, they told the kid beforehand, like, Seth's going to take the belt from you. Don't worry. We're going to get it back to you. You'll be fine. I wish you, we didn't tell him beforehand. Uh, Seth man, was going to take, was uh, gonna take, take the belt. Huh? You, I am- no, no, you shouldn't tell him. So we get the reaction. Like we had all the fans reacting to the bloodline beating down RK bro. We needed that type of reaction from this kid to really put this over and really make this a memorable angle. It's not that memorable to me. I feel like in two weeks time or after the hell in a cell match, I'm going to forget all about this angle. This is not going to last with me the way that uh, Sasha Banks stealing uh, Izzy's Bo has stayed with me for the past seven years. It stayed with me for the past seven years, not because Sasha did it, but because Izzy cried. That's what I that's what I, I needed. What, I get what you're saying, but I can't abdicate making children cry on purpose, man. Like I just I can't I can't do that though. Like man, I'm like Brock Lesnar. F them kids. <laughs> I did love his brother. Did you catch his brother smiling ear to ear as Seth Rollins came over and stole that damn belt? Because I'm like, when Cody gave that kid that belt, I'm looking at those two and I'm like, good luck to those parents on the car ride home. All right, because they're going to be fighting over that damn belt. Who gets to hold it? Is it mine? No, it's mine. Yeah, he gave it to me. Yeah, but I want to see it. I already know how that's going to work, and I can't wait until my kids are old enough that I can go through those headaches with them when I go to a Monday Night Raw show, whenever the hell they finally get back into coming to Cincinnati. Uh, but the, the the thing that led to this, though, was the, the actual thing that was the best of the night was Cody Rhodes' promo. Cody Rhodes cut the best promo in 60 seconds than anything else that we saw, and there were a, there, there was a lot of bloviating last night, a lot of diatribe especially in that first hour you you had the stats how much actual wrestling did we get in the first hundred minutes of monday night raw last night we got two matches in the first a hundred minutes of this show i mean the two matches i believe lasted about 20 25 minutes in total but 25 minutes of a hundred minutes of a show yeah that's why that's why this show dragged for me it dragged so much. They threw a bunch of matches into the final hour with Cody and Miz. And but the, you can tell they threw a lot of stuff because Ezekiel and Chad Gable, Chad uh didn't even get an entrance for yeah. their match. So it's just like it felt like they were throwing stuff at the wall in the last like hour or so. We also got Alexa Bliss and and Nikki ASH, which was another match that felt really rushed. I yeah. think that only lasted like three, you, four minutes. So you know what Raw was last night? Raw, the first two hours, it was the pacing of SmackDown. And then that last hour was the pacing of Rampage. It was just let's cram as much shit as we can get into this third hour because we overcooked our goose in the first two. Uh I mean that that's basically what it was. There was I felt like a lot of what they did could have been trimmed down and cut down. I mean, for the love of God, the Judgment Day, 
I hate when they do this. Judgment Day comes out and they stand in the ring. And then they did like a commercial break, a full recap, another promo. They did a promo before a promo. Stop it. Your ordering is so messed up. It makes no damn sense. And I know the talent cannot stand to be standing out in the ring for 10 damn minutes waiting to do their shit. I know that has to irk the absolute hell out of them. In fact, I guarantee it it irks the hell out of them. You brought up Ezekiel. All right. We had not only was Becky Lynch added to the uh, women's championship match in Hell in a Cell, but we actually had two other matches announced for this card. Kevin Owens challenging Ezekiel. That has been made official after Ezekiel did beat Chad Gable with some shenanigans. And then Lashley versus Omos has been added to Hell in a Cell. MVP gets to pick the stipulation, SP3, after he beat Lashley via countouts. Either of those two doing anything for you? This Hell in a Cell card? They gave us like what two segments of Lashley and Omos yep. build on this show. That says it all. That says it all for this show. This show was a two hour show that they had to stretch across three hours. And then somehow rush at the end. Which look, Kevin Owens and Ezekiel have been doing damn good work. Like those, those vignettes that they've been running online with Ezekiel, where he's talking about all these, these memories of him with his brother and Elias. It's that those are really damn good. Why aren't we actually airing those on television? Becky Lynch's reaction to getting misted last week was really good. That backstage interview that we did, we got all of a two second clip of that. They put most of their best stuff online. And then they spend more time on Raw recapping what we saw 10 damn minutes ago. It is mind-boggling to me how they they decide to run this show down. It just simple tweaks. Simple little tweaks could make this show so much better. But as far as the card, the, the matches that are getting added, I, I really have no desire to see Lashley and Omos again. I don't care what stipulation MVP decides to pick. KO and Ezekiel, they've been doing great work. I'm sure this will be a good match. I think Kevin Owens should should win, should get a win back. But, hey, Ezekiel's getting his first pay-per-view match ever. That's good for the rookie. Ezekiel and Kevin Owens are entertaining when there's a microphone in their hand. But like uh, like his bro- his older brother Elias, once the bell rings, I don't really care for Ezekiel, and neither does the fans, it seems. Yeah, the crowd did sit on their hands a lot uh, last night. Let's stop sitting on our hands and get to the five count, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. So we open up the show last night with uh, Riddle cutting a, a very passionate and like emotional promo uh, about losing the Raw Tag Team Championships this past Friday on SmackDown to the Usos and talking about Randy Orton saying Randy Orton was uh, dealing with some some back issues could barely walk but wanted to go out there and give it the old college try and perform for the uh, for the fans gave it everything they had they lost in the end and it does sound like Randy Orton is going to be out whether or not this is legit they're keeping it kayfabe Whatever it is, sounds like he's going to be taking some time off. So, again, my prediction, SP3, 
was wrong. We are not going to be getting the rematch at Hell in a Cell, which also may explain if Randy Orton's taking some time off why this match wasn't at Hell in a Cell in the first place. That was one of the things we asked about yesterday on the live stream, why this match was on a random SmackDown. So if Orton isn't going to be around, now it makes sense. And all I ask is for things to make sense. But if Orton's out and it ain't RK bro, now the question comes, okay, you've put all the tag team gold on the Usos. Who got next? Who should be the next challengers for the Usos tag team titles? There's only one team they've been really building outside of RK Bro and the Usos, and that's the Street Profits. Street Profits got a win in this six-man tag to open the show with Riddle. I mean, it was more about Riddle and putting him over and establishing, you know, the push that's going to lead to him versus Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank, as predicted by this guy here. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah i think it's going to be the street profits it's got to be the street profits at this point which begs the question why did you have the usos beat the street profits three weeks ago so but that's the only team that makes sense yeah i mean if you run it down right so the usos are heels so you got to eliminate the heel tag team so it doesn't make sense for gable and otis to to kind of get their shot at it um if you look over on smackdown the the top babyface team is the new day been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Uh yeah, the only other baby face tag team that I can think of on the main roster, AJ Styles and Finn Balor, which I don't mind. But I would pick AJ Styles and Finn Balor to be the next tag team champion. So that's that's the thing, man. It's like, yeah, that'd be cool for the Usos and the Street Profits to throw down, but Street Profits been losing a lot lately. And I wouldn't I don't I honestly don't like any of the options because I don't want to feed the street profits to the Usos again. I don't need AJ Styles and and, and Finn Balor losing if they're going to remain a tag team. That's something we could talk about here in a few minutes, but I kind of don't like any of the options, but you really only have one that actually makes sense. And that is the street profits. Would they take the, that's the question. Would they take the titles off of the Usos this soon? Or do you expect them to just hang on to them for, for a long-ass time? Like, we're expecting Roman Reigns to hang on to the uh, Undisputed WWE Universal Championship for a long-ass time. Yeah, I'd, I don't even expect the Street Profits to get the shot at Hell in a Cell. I think they're oh, gonna no. they're gonna keep bloodline off of Hell in a Cell completely. I think Street Profits will probably get the shot at Money in the Bank. So, yeah. But no, I a- think the Usos are gonna keep it. Which, which is the same because I would love to see Montez Ford in the Money in the Bank ladder match itself. Uh, I would love to see him kind of get that opportunity. Not split up the Street Profits by any means necessary, but it would be nice to get the occasional glimpse into what the future of Montez Ford could be because when they ain't the tag team champs, it just seems like he's kind of spinning his wheels and just doing the same old thing week in and week out. It'd be nice if they kind of branched out and did some different things but that might be asking a little too much. Uh, we did see Alexa Bliss wrestle last night. As you mentioned, she beat Nikki A.S.H. in a fairly quick match um, and not one that the crowd was a whole lot interested in. I did love I did love the opening promo from Alexa Bliss where she actually dived back into the past said, oh, yeah, this is my former best friend. Kind of got everybody caught up in everything. They didn't ignore the past between these two as they set up this match. I loved her little line about Sonya Deville uh, should try therapy. It works wonders. I, I did enjoy that little quirk there. And Alexa Bliss goes out and she wins. So Alexa Bliss has now won three consecutive matches 
And I'm starting to think about Alexa Bliss here. And I, I again, I go back to her performance at Helen or at uh, at Elimination Chamber. I started looking at some stuff, right? Like this was the this is one of those episodes of Monday Night Raw where I wanted to do some research while the show was going on. Between Fastlane 2021, where she beat Randy Orton, we all remember that, right? Between that and when she came back three weeks ago, she had ten televised matches. Between Fastlane 2021 and three weeks ago, she only had ten televised matches and she was only gone i mean she didn't need to be gone from elimination chamber until three weeks ago either so i mean she was healthy and ready to go only had 10 matches and then i started thinking i'm like when was the last time that alexa bliss has like been in like legitimately in the title picture and you got to go back to 2018 when she dropped the belt to ronda rousey so i mean we've had ronda rousey win the championship hold it for what a damn year leave for three years come back and win another championship and alexa bliss ain't sniffed one since five-time women's champion obviously can still go looks to be in the best shape of her life crowd enjoys her for the most part from time to time is it it's got to be almost time for another alexa bliss women's title run right because otherwise what are what are we leading to with here like what what are we What's what's the plan with her if you're not building her up at least as a credible title challenger? Uh, I think they went overkill with Alexa Bliss title runs from like 2017 to no 2016 through 2018. So me personally, I don't think it's time for another Alexa Bliss world title run. I think that she makes a valuable contender for any of the champions. And she did that against Charlotte Flair at Extreme Rules last year. And she can do that against Bianca Belair. They had good interaction at the Elimination Chamber, uh, you know, premium lap event. If they yeah. want to, if they really want to give her maybe a heel turn, which I think is the best suit for Alexa Bliss, which she does her best work, not as a baby face, but as a heel, put her on SmackDown and turn her heel and have her go against Ronda Rousey over, over there. That would be the, the best decision that fills in the hole over on SmackDown and puts Alexa Bliss in her best role. I, I think she deserves another run. I don't think now is is the right time, but I do agree with you, especially with the void. And this is something we talked about on the live stream yesterday, which is still available if you want to go back and watch that. Like, there is a void left by Sasha Banks and Naomi. Yes, it's a massive babyface void, but it's also a void of star power. You, It would be very easy to move Alexa Bliss over to, over to SmackDown. Keep her as, as a baby face if you want, but also, yeah, turn her heel and have her go after Ronda Rousey. I think that's something that makes a ton of sense. I don't think that they'll necessarily do that. I think Alexa Bliss is more pegged to be, oh, well, we'll throw her together with somebody, right? Somebody to be will be her tag team partner, and that will end up being what they do with her in this future women's tag team tournament, whether it's with, uh, you know, Liv Morgan, like you suggested, or a really odd pairing that I saw somebody put together, but kind of makes sense because it doesn't make any sense because these two hated each other. If you want to go back to 2016, the odd pairing of Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss in the women's tag team title tournament. Like I could see something like that. Honestly, just going completely off topic here. 
I would almost build that entire women's tag team title tournament around Becky Lynch trying to find a damn partner because she's so damn title hungry that she wants to get some kind of gold after she loses this match at Hell in a Cell and goes back down on her downward spiral of, of failure. I would almost build this entire tournament around her and give her the most off-the-wall freaking partner imaginable as I, oh my God, oh Jesus, I knocked my... <laughs> I knocked my lamp over and I hit the game show music on my hotkeys here. So that's great. We're leaving that one in the final cuts because I don't feel like editing. Um, I feel like that would be a really fun way that you could actually build some intrigue around this women's tag team title tournament because there's not a lot of people who are interested in it right now because, hey, there are no tag teams. I want to see another Alexa Bliss title run. But it ain't the time because Rhea Ripley needs to be the one that beats Bianca Belair for that women's championship. And I don't think Ronda Rousey is dropping that belt anytime soon, especially with the litany of challengers she has over on SmackDown. So I'd like to see it, but no, it's it's not the time to do it uh, right this second. Mentioned that uh, promo from Judgment Day earlier. They are basically holding open casting calls here, SP3. Maybe, just maybe, if you if you do, if you align yourself with Edge, he'll unblock you and everybody else who works at Wrestle Talk on Twitter. That I don't know what the hell that was about. Somebody at Wrestle Talk had to say something that pissed him off because he just blocked everybody who works over at that publication. It was the weirdest damn thing. I thought I was about to be judged and guilty by association. Last time I checked, I haven't been blocked yet, though. Uh, but he's holding up open open casting. He doesn't matter. He name-dropped John Cena last night. I don't think he mentioned that John Cena should join him, but he mentioned a lot of... Interesting names throughout Drew McIntyre, throughout Alexa Bliss, throughout Liv Morgan said, hey, you want to come to our side of the way of thinking, work your ass off, come on open. We're open for business. So seems clearly they're going to add somebody to this team. Is there somebody you would absolutely like to see align with the Judgment Day? Hey, I've been saying it from the start. Tommaso Ciampa, he mentioned him. He's the best option. That's the only way Ciampa's going to get a, a legitimate story on this roster. You, you see the first story that he's gotten since he's come over to Monday Night Raw. It was him and Mustafa Ali, and that lasted about a week and a half. And it was never about those two guys feuding with each other. It was oh. about Miz interfering. It was about Austin Theory. It was about everything but the two guys who can have a good match together. And when they did have a match together, it had some of the worst layout for a, a Champa versus was, Ali yeah. match could possibly get. So I want to see Champa with Judgment Day. This is the best way to get him on track. But... I think the reason why I'm blocked on on Twitter <laughs> is because I am honest with Edge. Edge is it's better now. I think he's heard my criticism before he blocked me <laughs> and he stopped with the cheap hometown heat. But unfortunately, the bad promo is not even Edge anymore. It's everyone around Edge. It just sounded like Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley were reading from a teleprompter. And I'm talking, and I'm someone that's a big Rhea Ripley fan. I got to interview her. She's yes, a right. fan, she's a fantastic talker. She can be great if you don't script over script her. This was over scripting and did not go off well, but Edge was was good here. So overall, the judgment day promo worked. But please 
Don't overscript them or let Edge write their promos. Don't don't Here, let these the WWE thing, writers do it. As a as a professional broadcaster for the last 13 years, as somebody who has taught this shit, uh, there are two very different types of broadcasters. There are those who do well with scripts. I am one of them. I I you will notice, okay? You've done shows with me. I anybody who has watched me over the last three years as a podcaster, I've gotten better, right? But my vocabulary off the top of my head is not the best. I say wrong words. I forget simple words. I will pause and lose my train of thought. All right. I am I will spin my wheels until I try to remember the point that I am trying to make, which is why I am long-winded very, very often on this program. I am not the best without a script. I got I get better, but that is not my forte. Ad-libbing is not my forte. I have to have notes, all right? I have to have stats, all right? I have to have bullet points that I can build my argument around. I am so much better with a damn script. If you listen to me do news in the morning, that is not even a challenge. I can write my stuff out beforehand. I know what that script says before I go in there to do it, and I almost have it memorized by the time I go out on the air, and I am not, I've talked on this show before about my lack of confidence. I am damn fucking good at what I do at 700 WLW in the mornings. All right. I am one of the best news anchors in the fucking country. I will hold my shit up to anybody because I got a goddamn script in front of me. I don't have a camera pointing at me. I can read a script and make it sound like I'm talking to you and just having a normal conversation, except not because I stutter and stammer when I'm actually, you know, trying to have a normal conversation because the words don't come. My brain doesn't process it that way. Rhea Ripley is not a script person. Rhea Ripley is an ad libber. All right. There is a difference between newscasters and show hosts. And I am a newscaster trying to be a show host. All right. Let Rhea Rip give Rhea Ripley a couple of bullet points. Tell her what to hit. And then just let her go out there and talk. Because my goodness, when I spoke to her at WrestleMania week, it was lovely. She can talk. She's funny. She has a great personality and they don't let her show off a god dang thing ever, ever, ever. Even when she was a baby face, they gave her the, the, the most generic bullshit baby face promos. Stop it. Stop it. You are trying to judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree. Stop that. This is what I said on the live show yesterday. It's WWE can get smacked in the face with a star and they would not know what to do with it. And they are getting smacked in the face with one by Edge. Edge has Rhea Ripley and he's smacking them across the face with her. And they're literally like, oh, let's give her a script and make her say this stuff that sounds like it sounds like a robot. And we just put the words inside of it. I'll say this much. Uh, There's one person that I don't want to F with, and that's Damian Priest. Uh, as somebody who has stood next to him in person and as somebody who uh, hears him scream at the crowd, that man frightens me. All right. If that, if I was standing next to that man and he screamed all rise in that fashion, you bet your ass I'm getting up on my two damn feet and I am paying attention to actually answer the question before I went off on my diatribe. Yeah, it to me, it's slam dunk. It's Tommaso Ciampa because I am overly concerned now that he's been off the show for two weeks. He, we, I don't know what the... I don't know what the main event matches that were taped. I think he was taped for main event last week. I don't know what matches were taped this week. 
but we never got an explanation for why Tommaso Ciampa was attacking Mustafa Ali. Uh, he, this is a guy who needs to be on TV every week. You're trying to establish this guy that you brought up, that, or excuse me, just Ciampa. Ciampa needs to be on TV every week, whether it's wrestling, local talent, whether it's beating up people like, I, I don't know, Dominic Dijakovic, whether it's cutting a promo, anything. You give this guy two minutes. You give this guy 60 seconds. He'll work with it, and he'll give you the best stuff, and it'll be some of the best stuff you have on TV. They got to get him on TV. They got to get him in a prominent role. And if the more that he's off TV, I don't have faith that they really have anything for him. So, yes, absolutely, please get that man in Judgment Day and get him in there immediately. A lot of noticeable absences on the show last night. We brought up Tommaso Ciampa. How about the guy he he wrestled? Mustafa Ali, not on the show. Austin Theory, not on the show. And we brought up Judgment Day, had that mixed tag match. Edge, Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest leaving AJ Styles and Liv Morgan laying. No Finn Balor to be found. A lot of people reading something into that as well. Bigger omittance from the show. Mustafa Ali and Austin Theory or Finn Balor last night? Uh, it's got to be Finn Balor. I mean, Austin Theory, can he can get away with missing one week because he's still the United States champion. And they really don't have a story for him because the Must- Mustafa Ali stuff, it seemed like it was like two other people's feud and he was just tagging along along the way and they were doing some good stuff with him and Miz, but he really hasn't gotten his own story as United States champion yet. Finn Balor, it was just like, they didn't even mention that he was like, injured or had the week off you know randy orton wasn't on last week's show and they were like you know he's taking care of a family commitment i would have i would have been all right with them saying that they had time to say sasha banks and naomi disappointed the fans on this show they didn't have time to tell us where finn valor was it just didn't make any sense so that's the bigger omission i'm looking at this and again it's not like it's the top of everybody's mind, but COVID cases are getting higher. And if somebody just randomly disappears for a week, that's always my go-to is, oh, maybe they tested positive. Hopefully they'll be back next week. So I'm not, and, and more often than not, they don't really mention it. Like they mentioned it that one time that Rhea Ripley did because they were supposed to have a women's tag team title match. And that's why they moved it off. So they had to explain that one away. Uh, Finn Balor just not being there that week. You know, they didn't say, protocols or anything like that because maybe they didn't feel like they they needed to for me we we got a damn pay-per-view less than 10 days away now or less than two weeks away now we got four matches on this card we got one title match we ain't getting an intercontinental title match on this card we ain't getting a tag team title match on this card of men's or women's we ain't getting a men's world championship match and damn it i don't know who ronda rousey's gonna fight for the smackdown women's championship you, you better get some damn title match on this card to go with the Raw Women's Championship. Like, you're going to have, like, 19 titles in this company and only one on a premium live event? You might get your Intercontinental title wish. I think they might do Ricochet and Gunther at oh. LNSL. You know what? Call. It's a good call. But I still think it would have been nice to at least done something. I'm, I'm sitting here going, did Veer kill Mustafa Ali? Like... I don't remember him getting taken out on a stretcher or anything. I found it very odd that those two weren't on the show. 
I thought they were building to a United States title match in some way, some form. By the way, remind me, where's Mustafa Ali from again? What's his hometown? Chicago. Oh, where's Hell in a Cell again? Chicago. Oh, so wouldn't it make sense to put him in a United States title match against Austin Theory at Hell in a Cell in Chicago, where he happens to be from Chicago? Yeah, hopefully they, they got one week. Set it up, please, for the love of God. Speaking of Veer, we're going to close out our show patiently waiting for us to, to come to this topic. He, uh, he talked to Jerry Lawler last night for whatever damn reason. It's been several weeks now. He's undefeated. He's beating the shit out of people. How are we, how we assessing what they're doing with Mr. Veer Mahan, SP3? I, I don't really know how to assess this. The fact that they've been doing better with Gunther over on SmackDown than they have Veer, who they took six months of vignettes to build up to. He came, he got the Umaga push at first, and now he's doing a segment with Jerry King Lawler where Jerry King Lawler is making jokes about him. Just very weird booking for him. And the fact that the Mysterials have got the upper hand on him two weeks in a row doesn't look too good right now. But I, I'm pretty sure he's going to destroy both Dominic and Ray soon. So maybe they can get this back on track. I, I Here's the thing. like I don't think his booking is the issue. I have an issue with his presentation because his presentation is very mid-80s. It's like monster foreign heel guy. I got to scream every word. I got to grunt between every move. I got to carry my eyes wide open the whole time. And I'm just going, ah, oh, this is heat. <sighs> Looking like a Jeff Dunham puppet. All right. That's what <laughs> is out there doing every week. I'm going, what are we doing? What are we doing? Look at this man on Instagram. Look at this man on Facebook. That is an interesting man. All right. This is a guy that you should be marketing toward head and shoulders immediately. Do you see that damn mane? And that, that thing has body that I wish my hair looked that good. I wish I could grow a beard like that. Like that guy, there is marketability in that man, the way that he dresses and presents himself on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Give me that dude. I don't need. Bug eye, foreign heel guy, and the cervical clutch. I don't need that. I don't need that. This ain't 1985. He ain't wrestling Hulk Hogan tomorrow. Give me that guy. Give me the Instagram model veer. All right. You can still make him a heel. Make him an interesting heel. This this foreign, this, this foreign bad guy stuff, man. It it's so old. It's so lazy. It's so stereotypical. I can't get into it. I just can't like his, the dialogue wasn't bad for Veer in his promo with Jerry Lawler. It was just delivered terribly because he was told to deliver it terribly and scream and yell. And uh, uh, now I'm going to kick you in cervical clutch. Ah, uh, can't get into it, man. It's just, it's so bad. It's so Vince is, is what it is. I just, let this man be himself. Let people be themselves. Jesus. My conversation with Ricky Starks will drop tomorrow at 7 a.m. here on the Believe in Wrestling YouTube channel. 
Sid and I got the night off. We'll be back Wednesday night to record our Thursday episode. The Go Home Dynamite Edition for Double or Nothing. Don't forget our show this Friday. Time to be determined with Doc Mueller from Bleacher Report, our big uh, predictions show. Does Doc believe he can beat SP3 in trivia? You are you are on a roll. You are on a roll. I believe you've won three in a row. You have a winning record now. You have a winning percentage. That was a very impressive performance between yourself and Sean Rossap. Neither of you missed a question. Nothing. Perfect scores across the board. You beat him by a millisecond. Very impressive. Whoever does these questions has to come up with harder shit. Appreciate you guys too. Yeah, that guy. That guy. I better hop on that. I also better hop on a guest for this Hell in a Shell pay-per-view. I keep forgetting it's like 13 days away. Uh, So I got a lot to do. I got work to go do. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you guys again uh, on Thursday. Pound the subscribe button. Pound the like button. Pound the thumbs up button. We appreciate you. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.